This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Come on, for picture, first positions, everyone, y'all go. And action! And welcome to episode 386 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk... Film and TV making. From indie film to studio films. And high-end TV. And everything in between. <laughs> how to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to... Really F them up. In our very, very humble opinion. What do you want from me? Why don't you run from me? What are you wondering? What do you know? Today on the show, we have the director, the writer, and showrunner of True Detective Night Country. It is the fantastic Isa Lopez. Dom Lenoir sat down with Isa and had quite a remarkable chat about making this quite incredible TV series. Dom, what did you chat about fully in depth? We talked about getting that call from HBO. Oh, that call. Oh, that must have been great. The call everyone wants from HBO. Yeah. Hi, it's HBO. Yeah. You, you, you haven't paid your subscription. <laughs> yeah. Not that cool. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, we talked about bringing a beloved franchise back to the roots that made it so successful. We talked about choosing a dramatic and immersive location to film and all of that world building. Mm. We talked about the extensive development notes and, and how positive they were. Oh, that's good. A really good one. We talked about waiting years for that big break and all the struggles and strife along the way a really cool one was developing a challenging exciting and confrontational character with Jodie Foster wow uh, it's a classic one for you it's a TV episode we have had some amazing makers of TV on in the past as well if you want to listen to them after this recently we had Mark Jobs on the director and exec of One Piece we also had Eben Bolter the DOP of The Last of Us and editor Amy Duddleston who uh, edited Mayor of East Town yeah we're doing pretty good on the on the sort of the prestige TV side aren't we we've <laughs> got three yeah. three of the best yes. uh, HBO offerings uh, Absolutely. So if you want to listen to those, then just go to our website, thefilmmakerspodcast.com. Go to podcasts uh, and then in the search bar there, type in uh, any of those directors, editors, cinematographers or the TV shows that they belong to. And that podcast will pop up. Yeah, I've always been on my mini crusade for, for, for HBO. I'm not getting paid by them. I'd like to be getting paid by them, but... Um, <laughs> instead, it's, you're it's, paying them. Instead, I'm paying them. But um, no, it's. Uh, I mean, they, they've always been like, they've always been like the TV equivalent to me of like prestige drama and, and, and like. I mean, so many of the the best drama with the most complex, brilliant moods, tones, 
depth of character have all been on on HBO. In Dom's humble opinion, HBO is the best. There HBO we go. Is the best. There as, we go. As is lawyer, <laughs> and we do want other. Um... Yeah, we, we we I mean we love all the other channels as well, but yeah, but there's a other special place. Available. There's a special place in my my own sort of style of 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 you know TV curation for for what HBO does. So. This podcast is sponsored by HBO. <laughs> uh, it's not, but please do sponsor us. Yeah. That would be nice. <laughs> right? Uh, uh, listen, True Detective is amazing. It's on, as Dom said, HBO now, and it's on Sky Atlantic. Go watch it if you haven't yet. But if you have, it's literally just finished uh, mm. the latest episode. The last episode went up the other night, and it is incredible. It's and it has explosive. Divided. Bloody it's bloody explosive and it's divided the internet about what happens and what has happened and all the hidden easter eggs mm. that are in there and there are lots of hidden easter eggs there are lots of secrets and twists and turns and probably you need to have another watch um, but if not there is some amazing forums about what happened because mm. you know Isa Lopez has done an incredible job here because this is a it's it's a chilly saga it's freezing cold it must have been to film um, it, there's references to culture and history and true crime um, and it draws a straight line sort of between, you know, that true detective's rich past. Yeah. And uh, particularly the show's sort of zeitgeist grabbing first mm. season as well. Polar bear eyesing, you might say. <laughs> oh, very nice. If you haven't yeah. seen it yet, there is a polar bear in, in yes. this, this series. Yeah, it makes, makes, uh, makes a few absolutely. appearances. He's very well trained. Yeah, very well, very well trained. And it stars Jodie Foster and mm. Callie Reese uh, as detectives Liz Danvers and Evangeline Navarro. Um, um, and it was all created by Isa Lopez, our guest today. Obviously, she's the showrunner, but she wrote it, she directed it. And it's the first season of True Detective without the involvement of its actual series creator, Nick uh, Pizzolatto. Um, mm. But it is wonderful that it's gone back to its roots. Yeah, it actually feels very, very, you know, in line with what, what he did, which I think is probably, a, you know, an effort from, from her and also from, from HBO to do something different or well, in any way disrespectful from, from, from what he sort of set out to create as well it also stars uh, Fiona Shaw Finn Bennett uh, Isabella Starr LeBlanc John Hawes and the fantastic Christopher Eccleston as well and do you know what we'll say it now but the song the title song Bury a Friend from Billie Eilish mm-hmm. is brilliant I, it, you know normally sometimes when you go into a TV series and you're hooked on it you kind of skip the intro you know the thing that comes up skip the intro I didn't do it because I love Billy Ice's song so much on this that it just hooked mm. me into the series every time, to the new episode every time. I love it. But I'll just, before we get to the episode, a couple of shout-outs for our amazing listeners. Um, I mean, to be honest, there were so many. I, I forgot to write a few down. So if you're listening, I'm talking about you as well. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. Thank you for going on Twitter and Instagram, retweeting, messaging, etc. And emailing, in some cases, to say you know that episode meant something and it helps you get over a hump or just inspired you or just made you feel not alone um which is what we inspire to do um so shout outs to chris hughes uh, john ginge moore lucille howe faith elizabeth daryl alden jack downs ryan little emma croft isaac williams danny mulhern and John, a.k.a. at Writing Ted, as well as Jewel Jessingberger and Nerd Life is Tough. Not to mention Polar Bear. 
but he was barely messaging on Twitter. Cool. So there we go. But he's good on Insta, so there is that. Yes. So is a Lopez then the director and creator and showrunner of True Detective season four, and um, her breakout directing credit really with Tiger's Not Afraid mm. which she wrote uh, and exec produced boy do we have a story about that oh yes yes indeed you do she's also the director and writer of secondary effects as well as Cassie Divas but she started off making lots of shorts writing them directing them producing them getting them made um, before she made her directorial debut uh, then she went on to write two feature films including Pulling Strings and 600 Miles it was this extensive track record uh, of writing that gave her uh, a springboard to kind of push out into a different genre in Tigers Are Not Afraid and to get, uh, I don't know, get get people to take a chance on on her as a director. It's incredible. All that is coming up in the episode right now. Get your ears ready. Here it is. This is Dom Lenoir's chat with Isa Lopez. So, um, welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. Hi. Um, huge congratulations on True Detective. It's an incredible show. Thank you. And I, I feel like it's a real return to the quality of the first you know, right? series. Yeah. And, and the tone as well, because, you know, when it, when it first came out, it was groundbreaking. It was mm-hmm. sort of had this uh, mystery element that was, you know, very rarely seen in, in a detective show. Uh, and I really feel like you've sort of brought that back. So can you talk about how you first got immersed into this project? Well, I, um, first of all, I love that first season uh, because it, you know, harking back to, to I think, the very first seat of its origin, True Detective is the name of pulp novels that um, happened and published and were lost most of them in the 50s and 40s and 50s in in the US and it was pulp and um and it was part of a family of of publications that also included strange detective and it and those had a tinge of the supernatural um and it was around the same age that the Lovecraftian nucleus had been exploding in the US mm. and before Lovecraft got some backlash for Certain beliefs yes. that are very uh, questionable. Yeah. Um, however, um, we get this very modern, very greedy, ultra real uh, police um, case that is with very real characters in a very real setting, which mm. is the the backwaters of the Louisiana Bayou, and. Um, and it has this wave of the supernatural. It has a ritual uh, killing, ritual killings of children and women yeah. that seem to be sacrificed to a horned yellow king, yeah. a yellow god that, um, you know, roams beyond in the realm of Carcosa, mm. which is all stinking of that uh, Cthulhu mythology. Um, so the combination of the ultra real the, and the ultra greedy and, and the, the mystical and the supernatural and, and the Lovecraftian just was like crack to me. And I think for a lot of people. Um, and the second season kind of abandoned completely, uh, that side of it. Mm. And I felt, um, there, you know, I missed it. Yeah, and I did third, as well. Yeah. yeah. Really and the third did. season didn't go there either. Mm-hmm. It did uh, acknowledge the the reality because it happens in the same world that those murders happen in Louisiana, but it doesn't, it's not part of the experience of the third season. So 
when I got the call from from HBO, the first thing I thought is, oh, let's bring that back. Yeah, you know, let's have something that happens in a very very real environment. Let's have something that happens in a forgotten corner of America that feels distinctive in in landscape mm. in its inhabitants in its in its daily rhythm from the rest of the US but it's still part of the US and uh and let's bring back that uh feeling that there's stuff happening beyond what we can perceive as human beings mm. and um uh, and True Detective was born. True Detective Night Country was born. I mean, you talk about the the call from HBO. I mean, I think I think most most filmmakers that I know, like you know, there's there's sort of tiers of what you'd like to work on. HBO is probably at the top of everything. Yeah. True Detective, you know, it's like a top tier. Yeah, you know, it's got it's got so much depth and complexity. How you know what what sort of got you into the position where you're you're getting that call from HBO? Well, I I made a movie in Mexico. Um, and I made it in a moment of absolute desperation because I had been chasing the pipe dream of the Hollywood yeah. big movie for, at that point, seven years. Yeah. And I had been, I left my career in Mexico and, and went chasing that dragon and uh, spent seven years developing projects that were almost made, but didn't yeah. get made as honestly is the case with most projects. Yeah. And it got to the point that it was killing my soul. Mm. Um, I don't... Um, write to survive. I don't direct to survive. I do it. Yeah, I do it to survive at at a spiritual level. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. F- to pay for for tuna can and ramen soup. I can <laughs> I I can find other um, venues. Yeah, but um, but I couldn't take it anymore. So I went back to Mexico and I directed a movie that probably nobody wanted to see, mm. or certainly nobody wanted uh, to pay for it to be made. And because the pitch was. Um, the children that survive the, the the cartel violence in Mexico are chased by the ghosts of the people they lost. And, oh, and yeah. you know, that's not exactly, um, doesn't spell box office to anybody. Yeah. Um, but it came from the heart mm. and, um, and it, and it put together things that I care deeply about. Mm. And it combined those two things. It combined the greedy and the supernatural. Um, and and characters that have to overcome themselves mm. to get on the other side of the events. So um, I think HBO gave it that a look. I didn't send it. I I think no, they, 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 they read about it. Yeah. And and um, uh, Casey um, Blois, who's a, the head of HBO, uh, got it onto his head that there was a way to revive True Detective and commissioned Francesca Orsi, the head of drama, to find who could mm. do that. And Francesca who's an incredible creative um, and is curious about talent around the world and is always exploring who has that next mm. unique voice, found Tigers, loved it. And uh, and that's when I got the call. So what, what was it you did um, with that film to kind of get it noticed? Was it like more of a festival route? Did you did you manage to get a good sort of sales agent distribution deal no, out God, of it? No, no. Um, that <laughs> movie, I, I made it, uh, as I said, you know, I had to basically blackmail people. <laughs> that sounds terrible. But, but the, fist what, arms, friendly what, fist what, arms. Yes, exactly. Yeah, what yeah. really happened there is I was a very successful writer, not director, because that's, that's not me. Yeah of rom-coms um mm. which really work in mexico and uh and the scripts that i wrote for those rom-coms made movies that were very successful i cannot watch them if you put a gun to my head yeah. i will take a bullet first yeah. but uh <laughs> these are terrible yeah the scripts were not it's just that they were butchered mm. and um and it's not my genre anyways um 
but those movies were very successful. So I went to the studio that um, that that had been buying my scripts for a long time and making very successful movies with them. Mm. And I said, "Okay, here's here's my new script." And they took a look at Tigers and they said, "We're never going to make this." And I said, "I didn't expect any differently." Yeah. But if you don't, I'm going to take it to somewhere else. And whomever take, finances this movie gets all the other scripts. Ah, okay. So they ended nice. up financing Tigers. So you you built this really like strong track record as a writer, because yeah. it's it it is it's, it's I think it's really really difficult. Um, I mean, I really resonated with what you said. So this is a filmmaking podcast. We're, uh-huh. we're we're filmmakers, and you know there are a lot of directors that will go out there and they'll sort of direct anything. Like for for me, it has to be something that's completely personal mm-hmm. has to really resonate with you it has to have some kind of meaning yeah and you know what you mentioned about the seven years i mean that's that's sometimes the reality when you go down that path yes. and, and there's people around you making stuff maybe they're not as proud of it as you would be of something you're making but they're you know there's people out there making those compromises and yes. it's like how do you how do you get past that hurdle well, when I, you're I when you're that, like at this sort of standoff of seven years so. yeah I, I i got i got a lot of pressure to direct those scripts yeah but I wouldn't, you mm. know, I think I, I I did sell my butt as a writer in order to pay for the noddles mm. and the tuna because someone has to do that. Yeah. But um, but I, I could not find it in myself to 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 put my my director, the, the director I carry into directing that. Mm. And, and I had directed two movies at that point and I cared deeply for both of them. And if it was not going to be like that, I didn't want to direct anything. Mm. Um. So I wrote Tigers, which I desperately wanted to direct, and and basically push and shove until I I got the minimal financing it needed to be made. Yeah, and I shot it, and um, and I I was very proud of it, and the people that 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 participated in it um loved it, and uh, and there was reactions that were very positive very early. Mm. This is a tiny indie movie; you don't you don't test them in a big screen, right? But then we tried to uh, submit it to all the festivals that you can imagine, starting mm. with the one that was around the corner was uh, Toronto and Venice are around the same time. We sent it to both. We got yeah. rejected from both. Um, not all the visual effects were finished. So we thought, oh, maybe that was it. So we finished the visual effects and then we sent it to Sundance and Berlin. Yeah. And it got rejected from both. Yeah. And that's when I started to really get worried because... Mm. What was it? Was I was I completely delusional and the movie was not good? So we sent it to Cannes and we sent it to South by Southwest and we sent it to Tribeca and to San Sebastian and to any festival that you can imagine. And then we ended up getting rejected in every single oh, one yeah. of them for a year. And when Venice came around again... Uh, I actually considered the, changing the title and sending it again, just in the over chance that they had overseen it. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know or what to a different do. Program, but yeah. but uh, I was very heartbroken. Yeah, and um, I was questioning if I was if I had it in me at all. Mm. And um, in the last attempt, I sent it to because it is a genre movie. Mm. You know, it is a thriller, but it is a horror movie. It's a ghost story. I sent it to Fantastic Fest in Austin, and. Um, and they loved it. Amazing. And, yeah. uh, and that changed everything. And, uh, and it started to get a lot of word of mouth. Stephen King saw it and lost his mind, tweeted about it. And finally got Guillermo del Toro. I had been, you know, I don't, I didn't know him. So I had been trying to get him by all the six degrees of separation and two and three. And, and I could never get to him. But 
Um, but when King saw it, and then Neil Gaiman saw it, and finally Guillermo saw it and became a massive champion of the movie, mm-hmm. uh, it acquired a second life. And it did the whole circuit. And festivals that had rejected us then write asking for the movie, which was funny mm. because I had a rejection letter. Yeah. Um, it ended up a couple of years later playing in a special sh- um, screening in Toronto Film Festival. And it was a gala function. Yeah. And yeah. Guillermo del Toro was leading the Q&A. Oh, wow. And it felt like a really nice way to finish that very painful journey. Yeah. And then the movie opened in the US finally years later in 2019. And it got... Honestly, rave reviews. Mm. It, it it did amazing. It got ninety seven percent in Rotten Tomatoes, and uh, and uh, though you know it was a very very short tiny ro- uh, run, it acquired a certain cult sta- status, which is how I think it got to HBO. Do you do you have someone else that's there to believe in you? I mean, you mentioned like because it, it's difficult when you when you know okay, I'm, I'm a good filmmaker. I know how to make good stories. Like I, I really feel like I can I can do this. But there's there's no one fighting your corner, or there's you haven't got this amazing producer on your side, or you haven't got a studio behind you. Yeah, you know, what what's what's your kind of technique to get past that? Because I mean, sometimes you can't just go through with self belief. The stubbornness, stubbornness, you know, yeah. it, it's just a stubbornness. <laughs> Keep like, going like, through like, everything. There yeah. was something, you get beaten and you fall down and you question that yeah. you have it or not. But then you watch a movie again with someone who hasn't seen it, you know, any friend, any cousin, mm. and they're destroyed by the movie and yeah. moved. And then you go like, it, it can't be, it can't be. Yeah. And then you try again. Yeah. That's it. You're just going to pick yourself up. So, um, great. So let's let's go back to the. You've got the the call from HBO. Um, at what? I mean, what sort of idea stage are we at when you when you've got this call? Is there I, is there a theme? Is there a is there a script? Or are you? No, you... I I had nothing. I I had um. It was during the pandemic, and I had um. You know, I was writing several scripts that I I had I had commitments to for projects that I was going to direct, really good projects. But again, you know, the the obstacles are endless. Mm. And while I was writing like third or fourth drafts with notes that I didn't believe in, and 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 the pandemic hit, it you get to a very dark place. And I yeah. uh, one way that I deal with when when my life is falling apart is to to start thinking of ideas of my own that nobody asked mm. for. So um. I've always been a massive fan of of murder mysteries and of crime literature, and um, and I never tried it because I feel the rules are um, obscure and strange, and I don't know the method to yeah. to. I now I know, I created my own, hmm. um, and I started to think of a murder mystery, and I I thought of setting, and I thought it could be really really interesting to have it in the Arctic or Antarctic, hmm. and. Uh, and um you know the disappearance of some scientists and that was it it was very very raw and i put it away the way you do with your own ideas uh because you're busy and you let them mature and, okay, and yeah. yes exactly and percolate and while while that was happening some weeks later i got the call uh, from hbo saying would you be interested in coming to us with an idea for true detective and i remember that thing and mm. and it was so interesting because the setting is everything, and that all I had was setting. Yeah. Um, and the genre, 
That's and the foundation, isn't exactly. it, for, for True Detective? Really. And, uh, and, and True Detective is all about the setting. Mm. So it was, and it was very different from the other three, which is exactly what you're looking for. And I felt, it felt that it was meant to be. So I took those very, very initial raw ideas of uh, murder, the Arctic, missing scientists in a research station. And the Arctic exists in, in the US because True Detective is a little bit of an Americana. And, um, and the rest was, just by the numbers, you know, mm. it, it it felt that it was that very, very raw idea was perfect to just connect. So where you have the two detectives, I had my two detectives and, and they become um, just as complicated. And, you know, Ross Cole is a nihilist mm. and, and um, Evangeline Navarro is a little bit of a mystic, which is the opposite. But it's still very introspective, you mm. know. He's he talks and he's verbal. She's quiet. She listens. They're all challenging characters. They were all very challenging. They're all characters, challenging characters. You know, Marty Hart is it's, it's a good guy. Everybody likes him. Mm. He's an asshole. Yeah. But but publicly, he is he's you know a nice guy. And Numbers is the absolute opposite. She's publicly a terrible asshole. Yeah. But she has but to be deep but heart. But she's like likable as well. I mean, yeah. how, how do you? I mean, the the two leads like Jodie and and Callie. How did you begin to to form them um, and and to start to sort of create those those difficult streaks, but also the redeeming features and and you know what you admire about them? Like, how how do you sort of start with those complexities? Well, uh, you know, it's interesting because um, the one reference that I always go back when writing is curiously. The Greeks, you know, um, Aristotle and the Poetic, which um, is incredibly a very easy book to read. It's very small. It's very fast. The first few pages are about the three acts of the Greek tragedy and mm. how it happens during three days in the Dionysiac celebrations. You can skip that part because that's not how we do it anymore. Yeah. And then you get to the juicy part of talking what is, who are the characters in tragedy. And tragedy is... is um, it's a word uh, for Greek, for anything Greek that is not comedy, mm. which is the book we lost. We don't have how to write comedy, interestingly, but we know how to write drama. Yeah. And um, what he says is the, the, the character in tragedy has to have many virtues and one tragic mistake that will doom them. And, um, and you cannot forget that. I think in modern tragedy in drama currently you have to amplify that that massive tragic mistake and mm. the virtues are smaller especially in tv because mm. um tv that has been elevated to art form by the by, by prestige tv is made around the concept of the anti-hero yes so i picked what was the tragic mistake of the both of them mm. and what was a redeeming quality of the both of them and then the rest is is fill in the spaces you know and give mm. them characters and 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 what if one of them plays fantasy football and goes on tinder what if the other one um is a veteran and and has a boyfriend but she doesn't want to be close to anybody except the one sister she's trying to keep alive yeah um and and what if she lost her identity uh, and her link to her own community, mm. and uh, um, and you just start exploring and filling those blanks. 
Yeah. So, um, okay. So we've, we've built the characters. How, how, what's the, what's the process collaborating with HBO in terms of, you know, the, the story and the, the screenwriting process and working out what's going to happen in the episodes and the trajectories of, of the actual narrative? Well, I, uh, you write the pilot. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and they either love it or hate it. They really, really loved mine. Great. But they had, endless notes that's just who they are they yeah. pride themselves in being very hands-on bless them but um, good notes. they are though the you know i've, I've worked over the years of, of developing a stuff in hollywood with many 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 studios and many many executives mm. these guys are the best yeah. they are yeah. they really are yeah. and that's why they have they make yeah. the, the things they, they make. really care about story yeah yeah uh too much yeah. uh they will uh give you notes on everything everything mm. the to exhaustion in the script process that said they will listen mm. you know and 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 you negotiate you you pick your battles you give some you take some 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 of it is actually good mm. and uh, some of it doesn't resonate but maybe you need to always find the note behind the note and understand what yeah. is bothering them yeah and try to you know it's just an excuse for you to go back to the page and make it better mm. on each pass. And uh, as infuriating as it is to get uh, uh, go again when you're very proud of your latest draft, <laughs> yeah. but then you go again. Mm. And even if you don't take a single note, sometimes just going again makes it better. Mm. And sometimes you take a bunch of the notes, you know? And then the most important thing in, in, in our relationship was when something was core, to what I was trying to do, I would say, I'm not going to change that. Mm, yeah. Because this is me as a filmmaker, as a storyteller, and this is the reason you called me. Yes. So let's not mess with that. And yeah. they respect that. Yeah. I suppose it's, it's, it's keeping the ship going in, in the right direction. And, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you change the, the masts or, or something and you, yeah. you, you turn a slightly different direction, but you're not, you're not going off. But it does right make the, the ship a better vessel. Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, so, okay, so, I mean, you, you're taking on all of these notes. You're trying to keep the, the vision uh, that you've initially come up with alive. What was the process of casting? Uh, what, what sort of stage had you thought about some of these characters? Or was that later down the line with everything? Well, I, I thought of Jolly pretty damn early because, number one, we all miss her, I think. We yeah. need more of her. Yeah. And what better than on a series because that's a lot of minutes of her. Mm. Um but on top of that uh on on understanding the genre that mm. I was doing with the with the macabre killings and the mystery and the atmosphere that comes obviously from True Detective but True Detective comes from Seven. Mm. And yes. Seven comes from The Silent of the Lamb. So why not go to the very thing that started it all and bring it back to the final result. Mm. So I wrote with her in mind, thinking that it was never going to happen, you know, but she loved the scripts. And uh, and she asked changes on the character. My my own character was a lot more desperate and on the verge of a breakdown, trying to keep it okay. together and do the right thing. And uh, she was more interested in making her an asshole, which yeah. I love <laughs> yeah. because it resonates with with expanding this this tragic flaw, mm. you know. So we went for it. And uh, Navarro was originally a Latina because I am a Latina, and I thought it, you know, it would be so much fun to represent mm. uh, what I know deeply and intimately. 
But then the more I understood about the setting and the composition of the of these towns in Northwest Alaska and how they are uh, 70% or more, uh, compo- the composition is, is Inuit mm. and specifically Inupiaq. Um, the more irresponsible it felt to bring two characters that don't come from the environment mm. to try to figure out and solve the problem. And, uh, and the, the less real, you know, that no one from town is doing it. So I uh, changed my Latina for a woman that is a mix. She has a side, a, a part that is Latina, but she's not in contact with it. Mm. And she has lost her indigenous um, connection to the land. Mm. And she needs to reestablish it in the story. And so I realized that I was going to need a, a native star. Mm. Which was not a thing that existed back then. Now there's a little Gladstone, but no, yeah. but back then it didn't exist. Mm. And and who also was an Amazon, you know, a fighter, a woman that yeah, yeah. could kill you with her bare hands. Yeah. And who was an ex-marine, mm. and uh, and who had the star power. And I talked to my casting director, and she said, "Well, luckily for you." There is this movie that just came out called uh, Catch the Fair One, and this is the woman in it, and she's getting a lot of buzz. And she showed me a photograph of Kaylee, and just that photograph, I was, Jesus Christ, that's Navarro. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I saw the movie, and I just confirmed it. And uh, we went, you know, I had to go back to HBO and say, it's not going to be two stars. And they were like, what do you mean? Mm. And I was like, because I found this, and I feel that it's, you know, our mission and an opportunity mm. to create um, not to create because you don't create. She exists and she is already that glorious. But to mm. open the door for a Native American mm. TV star. Yeah. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hi. I'm going to whisper some things to you now about crunch chocolate bars because apparently this whispering thing is a thing that makes you feel things. It's saying something crunchy is coming in the candy wrapper language. Mm. Imagine your tongue hiking up those crispy rocky ridges. Now, drum roll please. Wow, that's good. Crunchy munchy chocolate doesn't whisper. Turn up the fun with crunch. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! I mean, it's it's, it's interesting, the sort of the, the two-star things, because, you know, you think of franchises as big as, you know, True Detective and HBO doesn't necessarily need, but it's it, those those names are always in the back of the mind in sort of sellability and i suppose you know through the series there has been that as a as a theme as well but it's it's great that you were able to sort of cast in that way and work around the the story um so i mean can we can we talk about the the conversations that led to the setting of of how you ended up in in where you shot in alaska and how the the research portion um sort of informed where you were with the the script as well well, I because I wrote the first episode in in lockdown. I mm. couldn't go to Alaska. No, no. So, and I don't understand that region. Well, now I do. I now you do, really yeah. do. Yeah. But back then, I had no idea. Um, I had read a couple of books years ago. Um, that's it. 
Uh, so I uh, started with social media, which is a wonder for research hmm. because people in these regions of the world get so damn bored that they record yeah. every they record their day. So there were videos of them cooking and driving their car around town and playing with their kids and and going for sled adventures on the frozen ocean and picking up the mail and going to the supermarket. So I, I that gave me a very precise idea of the day to day life in these places. Plus, uh, and to hear the voices and hear the dialogue and hear white people and hear Inupiaq people. Mm. And then, um, then I was writing, as I was writing, I was listening to local radio stations of the region. And, uh, and I did also spend countless hours watching Alaska Troopers. Right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which yeah, yeah. is, yeah. you know, it's, it's so funny, you know, is you, you watch the series and, um, there's been a couple of, of comments on the internet that make fun of the fact that in the evidence room there's antlers and there's a cardboard box with a sign that says meth. Yeah, yeah. But if you watch Alaska Troopers, yeah. that's kind of Switzerland compared with, with the stuff that you see yeah. happening in these outposts in the, at the end of well, the world. I, I suppose it's just so incredibly remote. And there's this, there's this oppressive ni- nighttime. And when you've got this expanded nighttime, then, you know, it, it is. It's a... It's it's such a a different scenario to the sort of yeah. the the bustling you know awakening. It is a different world. world. Alcohol is state controlled. Yeah, it's a different world. And then finally, uh, I could jump on a plane and go there and be with the families mm. and and uh, go on the sleds on the ice with them and eat the seals and the caribou that they had wow. hunted. Yeah. I I don't admit, but I did because. You know, it's sacred, uh, the, the bond that that creates with them. Yeah. And, uh, and heard their stories and heard their songs and recruited them to come to me, come mm. with me later. And a bunch of them came for the series. Uh, there's, there's big numbers of non-actors that we brought from those communities in mm. Alaska. And then the rest of the characters that we couldn't find in Alaska are Native American or Inuit Canadian. Or Inuit Greenlandic or Inuit Danish. Mm. So, um, so it became a kind of as, as Tanya Tagak, um, a revered authority in, in throat singing and a rock star mm. on her own right called, uh, this feels like an, a pan Inuit experience, which yes. was very beautiful. And they felt right at home. Yeah. So it was beautiful. And it brings a lot of authenticity to it as well. Yes. Um, just, just to finish off, can we just talk about um, maybe one of the biggest challenges of, of shooting in that kind of environment and, you know, the, the TV show in general? Well, needless to say, it's fucking cold. Yeah. You know, there were nights that we were shooting at minus 23 and that's without counting the, the chill factor, the yeah. wind chill factor, which is the real killer in Iceland. Cameras breaking as well? Well, yeah. cameras didn't, but we did have a crane falling through the ice on a frozen lake. Wow. Yeah. We did have the fact that monitors, which are made of plasma, would would get so cold that we had a delay in the video, which made it complicated to you know, have a final opinion on a performance. Mm. Um, we had the fact that the that the mouths of the actors when they were saying the lines would, you know, the saliva would freeze, mm. and then their would their words would be unintelligible. Uh, we had the problem that <laughs> just going to the bathroom when you have six layers on you, it's an adventure in itself, and you're on the clock. Yeah, we had the problem that we were shooting something, and then. 
orc or wise Icelandic uh, gods of the ice would come running and say, "We have uh we have a, a an orange alarm. The wind is going to hit at one thirty a.m. And when the wind hits in Alaska, in in not in Alaska, yeah, in Iceland, thing, yeah. you cannot be in a car because the car will blow off the road." So it was it was an adventure, but we loved it, you know? Yeah. It was an adventure. If you had one bit of advice to give your younger self um, trying to break into the industry, what might it be? Uh, don't listen to the outside voice putting doubts in your head. Yes. Just keep saying what you need to say. As, you, as long as the thing you're saying and you're putting in the screen is what comes from that little girl that you were you're gonna be fine yeah amazing well i can't wait to uh watch the finale i've been catching up on it's all coming the rest very of the, soon the episodes okay. so uh, best of luck and uh, thank you so much well done great chat thank, thank you. you i don't want to waste more time time on you well that was wonderful well done another one bites the dust is a lopez there talking about true detective which is on sky atlantic and hbo now so mm. you have no excuses not to watch it it's fabulous um I, I thought it was really interesting her talking about that how she waited years and years for a big break and how we all yeah. did you know i waited 10 years for mine you got out yes. you made a couple of feature films straight out the block and then waited a little more before your next one but the amount of people that yep. have that long period of time when you feel like your life is totally against you and you can't you don't know why no one will give you a chance to go make a feature film and it feels really desperate exactly. and horrible right yes which has been sort of like you know that that's on top of the three the three years like you know forced feeling of that with you know covid and the writers and actor strikes as well mm-hmm. <laughs> so so it's like that you could even be on a you could even be on a decade on top of the seven yeah um but um before she made tigers are not afraid um, you know, there was a there was a long period where she was, you know, really struggling to get stuff made, and they were getting close. And yeah, that was that kind of night before the night before the dawn moment. Um, and then suddenly, you know, one film it took a little while to to get off the ground and and make an impact. And then when it finally did start making an impact, uh, the you know the head honchos at HBO were looking for someone, and they they you know they came across that film, and then they were like, okay, this is this is the person to, you know, take a massive punt on and, um, you know, give give the, the true detective I mean, that's incredible. fourth season to. Um, so, I mean, you know, that's all, that's all it takes. You, you're only over one film or break, you know, or call away from, you know, a big, you know, big thing. Mm. And then you've still got to put in the work and prove, you know, with, uh, yeah. with how you're going to develop it or how you're going to write it or how you are in a room or how you are with people. It's not like, oh, Izzy got the job and then that was it, cool, off you go. You know, there's still so much to do. But the fact is that you can make a film and people can see it and that can get you more work is evident. It's happened to me, it's happened to Dom, it happens. You make something, people will see it or they'll hear of it and they'll go, ah, okay. Or you'll send it to them and that will get you in the room. And it's all about the next step for you as filmmakers. That just just is. And suddenly True Detective Mm. could be calling. HBO could be calling, Dom, and it's not just for you to pay the bills. (laughs) Yeah. The subscription. It's true, though. Very reasonable subscription. Yeah. As that producer, as the, the producer mentioned the other day to you, that he'd seen Winter Ridge, you know, it, it's stuff like that that, <laughs> yeah. that can make a huge difference, you know, in terms of 
how we are. You just don't know who's watching. You don't know who's seeing your no. work. No, you don't know who's keeping an eye on you. Yes. But yes. you've got to put yourself out there and you've got to do it. And you've got to be brave sometimes and go, do you know what? I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go make my film now. I am just going to do it on weekends or evenings. It doesn't matter. Mm. Some people go, I just, I can't make it because I haven't got the money. Sure, it's a big obstacle. Yeah. But that does, shouldn't stop to you. Those people. Yeah, they shouldn't stop you. Do it without money then. I know it won't be the film you dreamt of. You won't have your trailers. You won't have your big payday. That it almost doesn't happen. So don't be afraid. Yeah, I mean, right? at the end of the day, like you know, it, obviously it depends w- what sort of step that you're trying to make. But if you haven't made anything to impress, then do that first. You know, s- s- just get something that you can have as your calling card. Yes. And, and look, if it ends up not being good enough, if you feel like this isn't good enough to put out, that's okay. Use that as an experience. Use that as what did yeah. I learn from this to make myself better and then go do it again. Because by not doing it, it's not going to get the call. HBO aren't going to call if you don't make anything. That's just the truth of it, right? It's a hard, hard-hitting HBO caliber episode both on the the process and the process behind the process yes oh wait that's hbo calling now yet you want to sponsor the episode great excellent (laughs) (laughs) it is brilliant go watch this series honestly it's so good you know to come up with this idea this story and execute it so well ah and jerry foster is fabulous in it yeah yeah as is Callie oh yeah I mean yeah I mean well yeah I mean they're both they're both great I mean uh, <laughs> Callie was a so Callie sort of came in with a entourage to the you know, I was doing the, the junkets and she is she's got such an energy about her she's like real real powerhouse and she brings that to, to you know to the series but you know Jodie Foster was was fascinating sort of talking about you know how she developed this role and how she wanted to be quite, you know quite a confrontational character and how that was like one of her sort of conditions of of doing the role was to um you know really really be sort of kicking ass and um not not taking any nonsense off anyone mm-hmm. all those conversations and and I mean, some of those scenes with them you know towards the end of the series whew, definitely up there definitely up there stunning stuff um right yeah hope you've enjoyed this again thank you for listening um we will see you next tuesday as always mm. when we have on Surprise guest. Gonna su- <laughs> surprise guest. Gonna, gonna, One. Gonna surprise me uh, who it is. We've already got loads lined up, but uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, until that time happens, which will be next Tuesday, uh, go out there and do something to go make your film, your TV series, your documentary. Your <sighs> don't put it on ice. Oh, was that a reference to? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. to yeah, yeah, dark country because it's set in Alaska where there is ice. Yeah, good. Uh, Polar bear the consequences. There we go. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you, Dom. Thanks for this and being brilliant. Uh, no problem. Thank you, John. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, we will see you all on Tuesday or we'll hear from us. Until then, take care. Bye. Oh, I forgot to mention we had a matching jacket for the. Oh, never mind. What do you mean? I mean, <laughs> the director had like matching green jackets on. Who did? You and Isa? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they, were, they were slightly different, but they were, they were we were in the same. We got the same memo anyway. That's cool. Yeah, I think you sent me a photo. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Let me look. Wait, I'm going to look now. Let's see. Um, Tom Lemoir. Here we go. <clears throat> uh, media links and docs. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, you've both got a matching green jacket on. Stood by the True Detective <laughs> poster, uh, which is on yeah. Sky and Now TV. Now you have. 
That looks really yeah. cool. You look great. You look really cute. Great, together. great HBO minds think alike. <laughs> Sponsored by HBO. Pa- past and future. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only we could get the rights to Billie Eilish song "Bury a Friend." Just speed it up slightly. <laughs> we'll get we'll get away with yeah, it. We'll get away with it. Oh, it's only a podcast going out to thousands and thousands. Um, but yeah, anyway, take care. We might not be back next week. Yeah, we might not be back next week if this podcast has suddenly Billie, Billie ended. Billie Eilish entertainment yes. team. HBO have rang and sued us and it's all over <laughs> yeah uh, we love you HBO obviously uh, okay until next Tuesday take care bye bye why do you care for me when we all fall asleep where do we go <laughs>